Good evening, everyone. Let me tell you about my wedding day. Um, if you go back and look at the pictures of our wedding day, you will discover a very unfortunate reality about myself, which is that I'm an ugly crier. Uh, why is that funny? I, but like, seriously, ugly, ugly, ugly crier. Allie would attest to it. The pictures prove it. Um, and so tonight, I'm, gosh, I'm overwhelmed by what this night means by seeing faces familiar, new faces who are joining us for the first time, friends who have gone on, friends who have come back, friends who are tuning in online. Gosh, God is so faithful to his church. It's not because we're so awesome. It's because he is. See, for 10 years, we have gathered as a biblical community to discover God's faithfulness and the beauty of the gospel. And it's been a ride. It's been a really cool last 10 years. As we've seen the gospel be enacted in the lives of men and women within this community, some to stay, some to be sent out, all to be drawn near to Jesus in the midst of an imperfect community. We don't always get things right. We hurt one another's feelings, but yet God is faithful to his church. This community has been a training space to be a launching point. So tonight we look back. Tonight we look back and not just for nostalgia's sake and not just to pat ourselves on the back and go, man, we are so cool. We have some secret sauce that nobody else has figured out. It's not that at all. It's not about nostalgia. Although if you've seen like the 50th merch at Disney World, like some of it's pretty cool, right? So nostalgia is not necessarily bad, but what we're doing tonight is a little different than just pure nostalgia. Tonight, what we are doing is we are looking at the fingerprint, fingerprints of God's faithfulness in our story with each and every one of us who've been a part of this community. Whether you've been here for 10 minutes or for 10 years, all of us, all of us, for all of us, we're not just friends. We're not just fellow people who come to church. We are first and foremost family in the forever family of God, adopted sons and daughter into the forever family of God. Now, it's important that we do this and we look back at God's fingerprints of his faithfulness because we are forgetful people, Right? See, in the, in the Hebrew language, there is a word for a certain structure that could be erected to uh, remind people who are forgetful of God's faithfulness. The word is an Ebenezer. And quite literally, it was when they would take a bunch of stones and pile them on top of one another and leave it by some place where God did something miraculous, something incredible. And it was to remind them to hyperlink their imaginations back to the moment when God was faithful because if he was faithful back then, he will be faithful today. So remind yourself that it's not about what we do. It's about what he has done. And that is what we are doing tonight. Because God doesn't need a pile of rocks, right? But I do. We do. Because we are forgetful people. So tonight we are going to share stories. And they're going to pile on top of one another, kind of like rocks. To make up our Ebenezer that by which we would discover God's faithfulness is story after story after story piles on top on one another. So that's simply what we're going to be doing tonight. But to even get there, we have to start before any of our stories come into play, the greatest story of all, the gospel. That the foundation isn't any of us in this room physically. It's Jesus in the work of his Holy Spirit moving mightily, it is what Jesus enacted on the cross, purchasing our redemption, ushering us into his forever family. So with that, tonight, we are going to start with our first rock. I realize it's not exactly a rock, but it'll do. It's Jesus. This is our foundation. Not any one of us, not any of our wisdom. It's what he has done. So I'm going to try to gently place it, this in there. Let's see how this goes. There we go. Oh. One stone in. 
So this is what we are gonna be doing tonight. So would you pray with me that our hearts and our minds would be attuned to hearing of God's faithfulness and celebrating. So Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for what you have done first and foremost by sending your son into this world to redeem and restore us humans, bringing us into your forever family. God, we are so grateful. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, I'm Brooke. I'm Renault's wife. And I'm going to take us back actually 20 years to 2002. So 2000, yeah, 2002. Gosh, we're really old. Um, so Renault and I were living in Monterey, California. We were in full-time youth ministry and felt God um, leading us to plant a church. Kind of crazy. We thought we'd be in youth ministry for the rest of our lives. And as we were praying about it and what that meant and where we would plant this church, we ended up coming in May of 2002 to Claremont, Florida. I was seven months pregnant with our second son. We had a two-year-old daughter, and we flew out here to Claremont for a weekend to just pray and drive around and explore and seek the Lord about if this was where we were supposed to move. And um, we didn't have a decision at that moment, but one of the things that kept coming back to us was... Uh, something our senior pastor from the church we met in in McLean, Virginia. We went to McLean Bible Church. That's where we met and got married and served for a number of years. And the senior pastor there um, would always say that God had un uniquely positioned that church inside the Beltway, which if you know anything about D.C., the Beltway is the highway that goes all the way around through Maryland and Virginia. And had uniquely positioned McLean Bible Church to change the world because so many policymakers— most of the policymakers live inside the Beltway, and many of them attended that church. And so we could change the world by influencing those policymakers. And that always stuck with us and became a really pivotal part of us deciding to move here. So when we first came here uh, back 20 years ago, uh, we drove into Claremont from the airport, and we were absolutely convinced that we would never move here because we were like, what is this place? Because uh, there, there was no one, and, and there, was a, uh, there was a Kmart. Billboards and orange trees. And billboards and orange trees. And so we got into Claremont convinced that this is not where God would call us, and we went into the Chamber of Commerce, and there was a little pink piece of paper, a little flyer, and it was projecting what was going to happen in West Orlando over the next 20 years because they were suggesting that people from Disney that worked for Disney, because traffic was starting to get a little more rough in Orlando, would start moving out west. And God used that little pink flyer to begin to stir in our hearts the possibility that we would have the privilege to shape a, a company that shapes the world. In the same way that the church in D.C. shapes the policymakers, we would get to change the world by shaping a company that changes the world. And so Disney became a central part of the decision that God used to call Brooke and I here to plant Mosaic Church. We were thinking then that we would engage with the decision makers at Disney, that we would have a church out in Claremont, they would come, and the big decision makers would eventually then shape the world because the gospel would shape them. But what we learned over the years is that the way that this amazing company functions is that the real power of this company isn't just with the higher-ups, the decision-makers. It's the frontline cast members that really hold so much of the power of this place because they are the ones that engage day-to-day -day with the millions of people that come here. And so we began to dream of what it would be like to actually be able to have a church that would have a gathering space close enough or even on property so that those frontline cast members would encounter the gospel, be shaped and changed by the gospel, and then begin to affect the gospel in the break rooms, in the day-to-day, -day, in the spaces where the world would begin to change. And so from 2003, when we launched Mosaic in Claremont, until 2010, that dream just lingered. Like, we want to start something, but we don't know how because it's going to be a ton of work. We had no idea then that in starting a gathering like this, uh, God would do immeasurably more than we imagined. Not just shaping Disney so that that can change the world, 
but sending thousands of people around the country and the world from this place to go and shape the little nooks and crannies they would find themselves in and so shape the entire planet. But that would have to begin with a cup of coffee. And in 2010, in August, um, I got a phone call um, and there was a, a guy that wanted to meet and his wife, uh, his name was Brady and her name was Jennifer. And it was one of those weird things. Yep. Um, I, I was pretty busy at the time and very rarely just kind of that same week was like, let's do it. But for some reason, something just kind of sensed, man, this just, just have this meeting. And so we met in August of 2010, Brady and Jennifer and I, and in September of 2010, about a week and a half later, Brady was on staff at Mosaic Church, uh, and, and we were extremely excited because with Jennifer's role at Disney and Brady's entering in, the dream of seeing this place emerge started becoming a reality. See, we knew that God had used us as a God who launches dreams and who has beginnings. But to see more than that, it would have to transition to others who would build. And God began to stir that in Brady and Jennifer that would then lead to a hundred other names of people that would build. So our rock starts um, with a God of dreams and beginnings. And very quickly, uh, after that cup of coffee, uh, he becomes a God of more. And he will become a God of more and more and more and more and more as we enter. So the story continues with Brady and Jennifer. So this is Jennifer and I'm her husband, Brady. Who likes cop shows? Anybody like cop shows? I've just recently gotten way into cop shows. And when, when Danny said fingerprints, it just reminded me of cop shows. Because whenever a cop goes into, um, you know, a murder scene or something other wonderful like that, um, they're always dusting for fingerprints. Because they want to know who opened the door and who picked up the hammer or the knife or whatever, and who was responsible for the events that transpired. And it's just been interesting over the last couple of weeks, we've just been uh, looking through the past 10 years, dusting for God's fingerprints. And, and we've seen them all over the place. Uh, but man, I think I see them more clearly just as I, I look out right now. Um, it was an interesting conversation that we had with Renault um, at coffee. Because it, it turned into all kind of things that I thought, man, Brady, you are really important in starting this uh, movement of God at the Disney campus. And I teamed up with John Langford and Kevin Dennis, and we started praying weekly at Disney Springs and all over the place because we didn't know what we were doing. And, and I didn't know that we didn't know what we were doing until uh, the professionals told us we didn't know what we were doing because we went up to a, a North Point Church, Andy Stanley's church, and we told them our plans of what we wanted to do. And they said, don't do it. You guys don't know what you're doing. And, and they were right. And, and what I realized as I, as I look at Jennifer and I, I think about God's fingerprints, um, if I were to think about the starting date, yeah, there was that, that, that walkway where it had all these important dates. And the first one said my name uh, on there. But I really think that for us, the story started when God planted Jennifer in a break room, um, full-time spare. <laughs> with, with I know you guys are jealous, jealous of that bid. Um, I have been tasked to share some stories of the early days. And uh, so lucky for you, you are blessed to just hear me sob for the next seven minutes and 30 seconds. Welcome. Uh, I think um, being a spare, I got to meet a lot of people. And so one of the first stories that came out of me being a spare is I was sitting in the break room and I overheard a girl named Lindsay say, wow, I'm working tomorrow, which happened to be Thanksgiving. And I'm just realizing it's going to be my first year that I don't ever eat turkey. And I was like, well, I don't know how to cook a turkey, but come on over. And we had no money, so we were able to afford half a box of the Publix dinner. Um, and I made, I figured out how to make green bean casserole, which was horrible that time. But now, you know, 15 years later, I'm pretty good at it. Um, 
And we had Thanksgiving dinner the night before, which you may know as Turkey Eve, which is the best made of holiday that's ever existed. Um, so <laughs> from that, we, uh, we realized that cast members really needed encouragement, that they're just sitting in break rooms and it's, and it's hard and it's day in and day out of loving guests and pouring out. Um, and, but as far as like backstage, it was gloomy and it was sad and um, and so we, were, we thought, what could we do to bring joy to this incredibly joyful place? And so Joel and Brady and I sat in, my, in our apartment living room watching The Office and on a, a little label maker writing hashtag Uncommon Love at Walt Disney World and we were sticking them on propel packets because Disney cast members are allowed to have a water bottle on their hip. And so we were like, if we give them that, they'll enjoy the hydration, um, which turned into little cards that um, to this day, whenever I pass a cubicle and I see one, I will begin crying. So um, that turned into... Um, you shouldn't have let me do this, Danny. <laughs> that turned into... My best friends, Emily and Backpack, and I sitting in uh, break rooms trying to talk anyone into coming to this little church that only volunteers went to because we couldn't get anyone else to come. It was a really special time. And so um, <laughs> we just kept inviting people and kept inviting people and kept inviting people. And um, I remember one of my favorite days at work ever was after a parade and I was sitting in my locker bank. And I overheard one locker bank over. Someone said, hey, do you have a church? And the person was like, no. And they were like, you should come to mine. It's at 802 tonight. And I didn't, I didn't know that person. And they said that. And I was like, oh, thank goodness I can stop talking about this in break room. <laughs> uh, and uh, our, God just provided. Um, this celebration is really cool, but I want to take a journey back to nine years ago we celebrated our one-year birthday, and the budget for that was, how much money did you give me? 50 like negative cents. $10. What a blessing. You are so generous. Thank you. Um, so my friend Elise and I, we went to every gas station and found, like, they gave out free, like, ads and newspapers, and I sent Brady into the woods because he wouldn't give me any money. And, um, and he collected sticks, and so we spray-painted sticks and made flowers out of newspapers, and we decorated the Holiday Inn with trash, like literal trash. <laughs> then, our, then our five-year celebration, I called Brady on the way here. Actually, no, it was probably Emily Mills who remembered that it was our five-year birthday. And I said, um, I said, Brady, we gotta do something. Like we're turning five. And I was like, can I go buy balloons? And he was like, sure, fine. So I bought like four balloons. So the fact that you guys have like food trucks out there, like <laughs> praise his name, y'all. That is amazing. Look at all these balloons. Um, I'm like trembling with emotion right now. Um, I loved that video up there because it reminded me when Brady and I were called away from this incredible place in my favorite church that will ever exist, um, one of our dear friends came up to me and she was crying and she said, I think my heart is just broken because someday I'm going to walk into Mosaic at Walt Disney World and no one's going to know who Brady and Jennifer White are. And at the time, I was super, I loved that. I loved hearing that. Because if anyone knows me, you know, I'm like really into myself. Um, and so I love that she said that. But now as the years have passed, I realize that is the greatest, greatest gift that could ever happen to this campus. That started with that girl in the locker bank over inviting someone else. It's no longer our, it was never our church. It's no longer Broken Renault's vision. It's his vision and it's his fingerprints. And I see them over everyone. And if you guys were here early enough to watch that video, a lot of those faces may not look familiar to you. And that's because they're carrying the legacy. They're, they're carrying the legacy where they are and they've passed the torch to you because you're called to go into those break rooms and love your people. And so whether it's Cinderella loving on a few birds and encouraging them before the parade or a Space Mountain break room that's throwing Monday parties or my friend that works in Epcot that brings pizza every Thursday to the break room. 
You guys are the hands and feet in Jesus, of Jesus, and it's your fingerprints all over the happiest place on earth. Is that Disneyland? What are we? The place where, rewind. Your fingerprints are all over the place where dreams come true. Sorry. If, you, if you're thinking anything great about me, um, forget it, because just, just ask me how I feel about never winning a legacy award, and you will real quickly find out the blackness in my heart. But um, we, we love this place, and God continued to provide whenever we need something, whether it was through trash, whether it was through balloons, whether it was through turkeys. We got to the point where we were ordering like 18 turkeys. Um, every turkey eve and the lord provided leah brazier who loves to carve turkeys in my kitchen so he just kept providing and kept providing and so when the lord called us away yeah you know the, every great movie has a moment in it that's just the worst <laughs> you know and i was thinking about the the first mary poppins movie um and how they're laughing on the ceiling and they're just telling jokes and they're just loving to laugh long and loud and clear. And then just the worst part happens and Mary Poppins says, it's time to go. And, and God very clearly told us that it was time to go. And that's hard when you love a place and you love people so much. It's mostly hard because you wonder who's going to take care of the people that you love. And one of the biggest ways that I've seen God's fingerprint is in the way that he has raised up people to care for the people that we had to leave. And I love seeing Danny and Allie. They thought they were coming back to hang out with us. And then we left. And, but I love seeing all the leaders and all the people that are part of D groups and, you know, events and everything. And like I said, you know, God's fingerprints are dusted all over the place. Y'all are part of a very big story, whether you joined on page one or you joined on page 159, or you feel like you're in the epilogue. You're a part of a really important story and you're a part of God's fingerprints. And we're really thankful that we get to be a part of it. So we're going to put our stones down. You are so strong. So mine says fingerprints because it takes a bunch of our fingerprints to begin to look like God's. Mine says provision and fun because we had a lot of fun. And um, I know everyone always says God doesn't have favorites, but congratulations, you go to God's favorite church. Hi, Mosaic at WDW. I'm Brooke, and I attended Mosaic from 2012 to 2020. Before Mosaic, I was actually living in Arizona, and to be quite honest, I was having a rough go about it. I was struggling with a lot of hopelessness and depression, and I just wanted to escape, so I escaped through the Disney College program. And while I was there, the Lord met me, and He met me by having one of my coworkers and dear friends invite me to church. And after that gathering, my life took off for the better, and I started following Him. And He showed me what true community based on Him looked like, and how to partner with Him and bring His kingdom onto earth by sharing His hope with others, just had as He had shared His hope with me. So I now live. In in Phoenix, Arizona, following his call back home. And I get to share the hope of Jesus with my coworkers there too. And it's been so beautiful. So that is what my Ebenezer represents is the hope that he has given to me and to all of us. Well, hey guys, uh, my name is Jimmy and I was a part of the Mosaic Disney campus from 2012 to 2014. Uh, you know, before I found Mosaic, I was in the college program and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and trying to figure out this whole God and faith thing. Uh, I grew up going to church, but eventually fell away from it. Um, and I was asking big questions about life. I was trying to figure out who God was and what I truly believed. Uh, and it was Easter time. So as a good priester, uh, I knew it was time to go to church and 
I found out that one of my coworkers used to be a former pastor, uh, and he told me uh, about this little small campus church called Mosaic at WDW. And uh, I showed up there on Easter and uh, heard about the gospel for the first time from the South, tall South African man who used this X-Men 2 clip to teach me about what the cross truly meant and what Jesus Christ did for me on my behalf. Uh, and uh, through Mosaic Church, uh, just some great people, specifically men, poured into my life and discipled me. Uh, and I'm extremely grateful for that. So God has been faithful to me through discipleship uh, with great guys pouring into me and allowing me the opportunity to pour into others. So thank you so much, Mosaic at WDW. Hey, my name's Aubrey, and I first came to Mosaic in 2013 when I came to Orlando for a college program at Walt Disney World. And I was looking for a biblical community and heard of Crew, and I heard of Mosaic at WDW. So I checked out both and quickly fell in love with the mission and vision they both had for loving and serving cast members and spreading the gospel, not only to all of Walt Disney World, but even to the nations. And so what I thought was going to be a semester to fine tune my career goals and see where my future would lead in that, the Lord instead showed me that my purpose is to live on mission for him and he's going to help me identify where that mission field is wherever he sends me, be it Disney or not. So I returned to school and I kept listening to Mosaic messages online just because I loved how missionally focused they were. So when it came time for graduation in 2016, I one of the ideas I had that just kept floating to the top was to go back to Florida and work at Disney again and be a part of that community who so prioritized living on mission in their workplaces. And so that's what I did. And here we are five and a half years later. And I'm just so grateful for God's faithfulness to me in using Mosaic to open my eyes and incline my heart. My name is Hope Freeman, and I've been attending Mosaic at WDW since January of 2017. Previously, I had been living in Los Angeles, and one of my best friends from college, who was an exchange student from Australia, um, began doing the international college program here at Walt Disney World. She had been invited to the Mosaic Easter service, and after that, she began attending regularly. She also started talking to me about Jesus, which shook me at the time because I was supposed to be the Christian between the two of us. Later that year, I was grieving the repercussions of an unhealthy relationship while also caring for a parent with severe medical complications. In the middle of the darkness and hopelessness of that season, the Mosaic WDW community reached out to me and sent me care packages and text messages and even letters filled with prayers. I hadn't even visited the campus once, nor had I met any of these people and yet they were being the hands and feet of Jesus and calling on the Holy Spirit on my behalf and rallying an army of angels to come and fight for me. I was so moved by their faithfulness that shortly after that, I moved down to Orlando specifically to attend Mosaic at WDW because I had never experienced the body of Christ in such a genuine and palpable way. It was clear that they knew Jesus in a way that I never had and I just wanted to know if it was possible for me to know him like that, too. I moved here without a car or a job or literally any other purpose besides meeting Jesus. And I planned on staying here six months tops. Um, five years later, I am baptized. I paid off the car. I found a job. I earned two degrees and I recently got engaged. I'm so grateful for God's faithfulness to me through turning my inherited faith from my childhood into the chosen faith that I choose to walk today. Mosaic at WDW truly is the way that I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. My name is Evan Dodson, and I was part of Mosaic from 2015 to 2018. Now, I'm one of those people that was always like borderline creepy obsessed with Disney growing up, but I was also a very passionate follower of Jesus, I think. 
And I never knew how those two things worked together until I got to Mosaic. Now, uh, throughout my time at Disney, I had some roles that I absolutely loved and then some other ones that made me cry backstage from time to time. Imagine the same is true for some of you. But um, Mosaic taught me how to bring the gospel into each of those spaces and how to bring a relationship with Jesus into the relationships that I was forming with my coworkers and the friendships that I was making backstage. Um, now, I'm at seminary in Portland, Oregon. I'll tell you, this was not part of my vision board uh, years ago, but it is absolutely because of the relationships that I formed at Mosaic through um, the discipleship, through the mentors that I had there, through the leadership opportunities that I had. Um, they all brought me to where I am today in the most fun way. Now, whenever I think about Mosaic, I think about community. It is legitimately the most special community um, I believe I've ever been a part of. It's a community that passionately follows after Jesus, but also has the most fun love for Disney and Mickey Mouse. And you just don't find that anywhere else. I am, I'm so thankful for my time at Mosaic. God doesn't need rocks. I do. And when I hear each of the stories, I'm just in awe of two things. How incredible God is and how silly I am to not see that all the time. I mean, when you think about it, God's fingerprints are all over all of our stories all the time. But I don't see it all the time. So I need rocks. See, when I'm running around in the daily grind of life, when I look at the craziness going on in the world around us, I'm exhausted when I'm feeling worn out. I need rocks. I think of the old hymn, it says it this way, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to flee the God I love. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. How about you? Is that ever your story? Do you ever feel like that? Did you feel like that earlier today? Like, it, that's just so normal, right? Like, you're not crazy. You're human. Me too. And see, in 1 Samuel, there are other humans, the people of God, the Israelites, that were more than just tempted to wander. They were more than likely to flee God's company, the Israelites. Now, they had a lot of things not going their way. They were doing a lot of things that were super unhelpful to their story. I mean, they were afraid with good reason of this other army, the Philistines. They, uh, they had begun to become corrupted by other cultural influences, external influences like false gods from others. And they wanted God's help, but only as long as it was on their own terms. So they devise a plan when they're about to go into their next battle with the Philistines. They're like, we know what to do. God had given us this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And with this thing, we, we have a guarantee of God's presence. So we know what to do with this good luck charm. Let's take it into the war zone. Let's take it right in so God's present with us and then like, we'll win. So actually this is the way it said, 1 Samuel 4 verse 3. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So there are a few things wrong with this. The biggest thing though, is they looked to the Ark to save them. They wanted God's help, but they wanted it on their own terms. Here's the crazy thing about God. He doesn't really do things on our terms, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, this was a lesson that they had to learn. And so he allowed the Israelites to be defeated in that moment. And the only thing worse than losing before to the Philistines without the Ark of the Covenant is now to lose with the Ark of the Covenant. What they were viewing is kind of like a good luck charm that was gonna like affect their victory. They were looking at it as their savior. And all of a sudden, not only do they get their butts handed to them, they also get the Ark of the Covenant taken away from them. And now they're really in it, right? I mean, imagine being the Israelites, not exactly your shining moment. Now, soon the Ark is brought back to them, 
with the lesson that God is faithful, but he is not faithful on our terms, but on his. And the Philistines got more than they bargained for. And God does a bunch of craziness in their camp that literally has them go, ooh, uh, actually, we're gonna go ahead and send that ark right back to you guys. But here's what happens next. In verse seven, Samuel goes in front of the, the house of Israel and he says it this way. If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asherah from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Notice he doesn't say the Ark of the Covenant will restore you, that it will redeem, that it will save you, but he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the bells and the Asherah and they served the Lord only. Finally, the people listened and obeyed. They heard the voice of God and they're like, okay, we'll do it on your terms. They began to trust God's faithfulness on his terms. But if you look at their story, they are human like me, like you. And so they are prone to wander. They are prone to forgetfulness. So Samuel has an idea. First Samuel 7 records it this way. First Samuel 7 verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up before, between Mitzvah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. God doesn't need a pile of rocks. I do. How about you? This is what we celebrate tonight. This is what we are up to tonight. This is why we look back at our past tonight. This is why we remember God's faithfulness and his goodness tonight so that we would remember that the God who was faithful before is the God who's faithful today and will be faithful into the years to come. This is what we remember. See, to be faithful is to keep your promise, right? I am faithful to Allie as my wife as I keep the covenant that I made to her, the promises that ensued in that covenant, those vows. So we have a God who always keeps his promises. I know you probably know that, but do you truly believe it all the time? If you're like me, the answer is nah. But we can trust it a little bit more when we remember God's faithfulness day after day after day. That's part of just discovering the way of Jesus. It's a part of sanctification of becoming more like him that we would remember what he has done. And not only in our own stories, but as we share stories of God's faithfulness. That's so, why it's so important that we are existing in biblical community because we're so vulnerable when we're alone. But when we hear from one another what God has been up to, the game changes, right? Each of the stories we heard tonight so far are unique reflections of God's goodness to each of the storytellers. Not that God promises that we will never face difficulty or that everything's always gonna turn out the way that we would have envisioned or that something that he had, that he had demonstrated his goodness in somebody else's life is the exact same way it's gonna turn out in your life. But God is always faithful to his promises. In Jesus' words, he has two promises I want to highlight tonight. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is talking to one of his closest buddies, a guy named Peter, and he's telling Peter this idea that he is going to use Peter in an instrumental way to help raise up the early church. Then the next thing that he says is so good. He says, but I will build my church not Peter, all right, it's all up to you, bro. You're super smart. Like you got this figured out. No, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Y'all, that's good news. That's a promise that Jesus is faithful to. And then we have the great commission later on in Matthew's version of the gospel story. And at the end, Jesus is giving out the great commission. He says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. Two promises right there. He will build his church and he will be with his church. 
And the church is obviously a lot bigger than just what happens in one local expression, right? The church is the collective gathering of adopted sons and daughters across the last 2,000 years and across the globe, across people groups, ethnic lines. God is building his church. And each of the stories we have heard tonight has demonstrated how faithful God is to build his church and never forsake his people, even when we forget who we really are. Because the same God who is faithful to not give up on the nation of Israel in the midst of the rebellion nearly 3,000 years ago is the same God who is faithful to the early church in the midst of persecution 2,000 years ago is the same God who was faithful in leading us back to the purity of the gospel in the Reformation 500 years ago, is the same God who has continued to be faithful to the persecuted church over the last hundred years, is the same God who is faithful when God began to stir a burden in the hearts for Noah and Brooke to reach Walt Disney World cast members over the last 20 years is the same God who was faithful when Brady and Jen were invited into the story to plant this campus 10 years ago is the same God who is faithful to make disciples with this community over the last decade. Ugly crier, I know. <laughs> Jesus builds his church. Not Renault, not Brady, not me. Jesus builds his church. And I would imagine if you look back at the story of your life, you can see the fingerprints of God's faithfulness all over it. I hope you do. How he has drawn you near to himself, how he's displayed his goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness to you in the midst of the difficult, in the midst of the beauty. I know this is the case for my story. The word I have for my story is a personal one. I had a different one up until this morning. Beloved. Beloved, I wouldn't say that that was what I would have always ascribed as what I saw God as. See, when I moved here seven years ago, originally, I had no idea what God had in store. I was massively insecure, untested, self-reliant, and had never been discipled. And I did everything under my own strength. Yet God has been so faithful to me. He allowed me to be discipled into my belovedness by my best friend, Brady. To be reminded of this reality regularly by the love of my wife, Allie, who I met with in this community. To be sent from this community to go live on mission at Shanghai Disneyland for a season. To be returned back and to get the unbelievable privilege it is to step in and begin to shepherd this community over the last three years. (laughs) Prone to wander but yet he has been faithful. And now I get the opportunity to disciple our kids, Asher and Abby, into their belovedness, to be reminded that they are uniquely loved just as I am continually discovering more and more that I am uniquely loved. And we're not doing that siloed off. We are doing that in our community. See, God has been so faithful to give consistent reminders that my truest identity is not in what I do, but whose I am. That he has given me a passion and a burden to make disciple making disciples who make disciples here at Walt Disney World and beyond. And for that, I'm forever grateful. How do I get to play a part? as Jesus works through me to build his church. Isn't that crazy? And that's not just me. I'm just the only one talking right now. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are both a recipient and an active participant in Jesus building his church. As we disciple one another into the way of Jesus, we are a part of Jesus fulfilling his promises when we are present with one another, when we look one another in the eye, when we sit in the difficulty of a moment of hardship and grief without trying to figure it all out for them and we are just present, we are a visceral execution of God's promise of his presence. 
I'm so undeserving. Yet this is what God has done in my life. And I know I'm not the only one. I think of all the individuals over the years who have, been, who have added to the, Eben, the Ebenezer from within this community, who have gone on to other ministries and locations. Now there are so, so, so many that I cannot possibly mention. So, um, I, but I do want to name some of you. I want to give you a sampling of just how diverse this group has been. So if your name isn't mentioned, it's not because you're forgotten. But I was thinking about this, the, the Langford family, the Dennis family, the Gibson family, Kevin Smith, Audrey Gray, Brooke Gasser, Jimmy Huang, Blake McDonald, Carrie Waters, Will Schaffelberger, Evan Dodson, Maddie Lane, the Mapenzies, the Peary's, the Minnings, the Trizzlers. Like guys, Jesus is building his church. We just play our little role in it. See, God has used this imperfect biblical community to make disciples and equip disciples to make disciples at Walt Disney World and beyond. And I think of all of those who've grown in this community and have been called to stay, at least for now, to ensure that the next generation of disciple-making disciples are made. And I am just left between those two groups in awe of how Jesus continues to build his church through this community. Over 50 years ago, Walt Disney came up with the concept of the Florida Project, right? And a major part of that was this Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Of course, that's a little bit different than the theme park we have today, right? But within this city that was supposed to be the, the perfect melding of culture and technological innovation that was supposed to pave the way to the future, Walt Disney still wanted to ensure that there were spiritual centers, that there were ch local churches that would be built throughout the Epcot. Now that Epcot didn't happen, but I, I just have been thinking about this, especially in light of the 50th and stuff, about how Mosaic at WW serves is one of the many wonderful gospel-centered ministries that takes that concept and kicks it up a notch. We're not just trying to be this little siloed thing. We are actually invading and not just like, like subversively, but to actually build up, to make better to bring light. And it's not just us. It's cast member church. It's crew at WDW. It's Agape Source. It's the gathering. It's Calvary Chapel Lake, Buena Vista, and so many others. And not focused on just being these spiritual silos in the midst of Walt Disney World. But instead, we've even been working together to build relationships between all the different ministries so that we could support one another as we go on the venture of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Here at Walt Disney World and beyond. And if you're anything like me, you are prone to wander, prone to ask God, what are you up to right now? But in each of these stories, I want you to hear this and not, and I would hope that it doesn't ring hollow in your soul and go, well, I mean, that makes sense. Your organization grew a little bit over the last 10 years and stuff. Like, no, that's not it. It's that stories have been impacted. Lives have been transformed. The dead have been risen from the grave. That's what the gospel does. That is what happens when Jesus is building his church. And this doesn't happen just in extravagant moments like Turkey Eve, although Turkey Eve is so extravagantly wonderful. It happens in the chance meetings in a break room. It happens in the quick encounters while spreading uncommon love. It happens in the overheard conversation over a cup of coffee or on a CP bus. It happens because Jesus is building his church. And we get to be both recipients and active participants in the journey. Now, I think this is the part where I'm supposed to have some well-crafted and articulated vision for the next 10 years. But here's the honest vision I have right now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the next 10 years will look like here at the Disney campus. Will we get a permanent facility at a more central location so that we're not all driving super far? Hopefully, so that our community can be more accessible as possible? Will we one day be able to start a morning gathering, hopefully so that we could care for families and be more generationally diverse? Hopefully, maybe not. I don't know. But here's what I do know. When I look back the last 10 years, I see God's faithfulness to his people all over the stories. And that gives me trust in his presence in the present and into the future for our community and for the church around the globe for the days and the years ahead. 
And this isn't because we as a community have the ability to fulfill everything we would ever hope for or dream of, but because God is so faithful to execute what Jesus had promised, that he would build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here's what I do know for the next 10 years. By God's grace, deep disciples of Jesus will continue to be made. Authentic biblical community will continue to be built. Disciples of Jesus will continue to be equipped to live on mission and all of these things at Walt Disney World and beyond. So now we respond. How do we respond? How do we respond to a God who is so faithful? We build an Ebenezer. We remember what he has done. So we're gonna, do, we're gonna shake it up and do something a little special tonight. And I'm gonna go ahead and invite Andrew on up. And he's gonna play keys. And this is gonna give each of us a, a few moments. And here, here's what we are gonna do. We are going to add to this beginnings of an Ebenezer and um, a fish tank. Whether this is your first time here or you've been here for 10 years, I want you to participate in this. So what we have done is uh, we have some, some stones that you'll find on both sides with some Sharpies. And here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to take a few moments to enter into the spiritual discipline of celebration before the Lord. Go to God, talk to him, thank him for his faithfulness and ask him to have a specific reminder for you of his faithfulness. Maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's a word, maybe whatever it is, try to fit it on a rock. And there are some Sharpies up here. And what I would love for you to do is to come up right on a rock, whatever that is, bring it up and just lay it in there as gently as you can so that it doesn't break. And together we're gonna build an Ebenezer. And together this is a reminder that God is faithful in your story and in the story of the person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, the person sitting in front of you. God is faithful. Would you pray with me? Father, you are so good and faithful and kind. Lord, you are unbelievable in what you have done and what you are doing. And I thank you for the last 10 years of the Disney campus that we have had the opportunity to experience your goodness, to experience your loving kindness. And I eagerly await with anticipation to know how this is all gonna play out tomorrow, next year, and 10 years from now. I don't know, but you do. Because you are sovereign and you are good and you are over us. So in each of the stories represented tonight, I pray that we would spend the rest of the evening and the days ahead reminding ourselves and one another of God's faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.